when I was still teaching. So before I was full time into this health world, um, I came home from school one day and my son came home from school as well. And he had a really bad day and he couldn't talk to us and he couldn't, I mean, he he was able to talk and communicate, but not in that moment, not with that stress going on around him. And I knew that he needed to calm down. I knew he needed to take deep breaths. I understood the connection between the breath and the body and the mind and all of that. And he wasn't having any of it. And having been a kindergarten teacher before, I was like, I need a tool. I need a book, right? Kids are going to camp for the summer. Read them a book. Uh, We're going on a field trip. Read them a book. There's a pandemic. Read them a book. Whatever it is, you know, like books and pictures and words and stories communicate very well to young children. So I couldn't find a book in my head. I couldn't find a book online that would actually help him to in that moment. So I went downstairs and I wrote it. And I said, this is what, this is what kids need. Kids need to learn the tools way before they're adults who are out of control and need to make up for it. You know, this needs to be grassroots. This needs to be young children learning meditation on sometimes very small levels and sometimes very deep levels as well. So I wrote the book. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and every week we're sharing stories of purpose. Our intention is to bring meaningful conversations to the world of endurance sports and allow those who are ready to see that we are more similar than we are different, and most importantly, that we're never alone. Our hope is for everyone to realize in this lifetime that there is nothing to hide, truth is always the way to a fluid life, and that vulnerability is the strength that opens us to our greatest expression, growth, and performance. We're so excited to bring Shoshana Chaim of Plant Trainers back on the show today. BJ and I shared the mic with Shoshana and her husband, Adam, in early 2019, and we went deep right off the bat. It was an organic dive into their story that brought to the surface important and tender topics like PTSD and mental wellness. So if you have not listened to that episode, it's 148. It's linked up in the show notes, so definitely have a listen. It's a very powerful story that started with two seemingly healthy people that faced two devastating diagnoses that threatened to end Adam's life before the age of 40. They were told to cross their fingers, which for Shoshana meant prepare for the worst. Pregnant with their second child at the time and completely overwhelmed by the unknown of the future, Shoshana experienced a day-to-day trauma that led to perhaps the greatest battle of her life to regain her mental health. Shoshana is a public speaker, podcast host of the Plant Trainers Podcast, health and wellness guru, and author of a brand new book, which we will learn all about today and how you can help support her. She's on a mission to heal people from the inside out. She's dedicated to spreading the messages of eating well, living well, and healing as individuals and families. I can't wait to dive back in and catch up with this powerful creator. Shoshana, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for that introduction. It's a great, um, I mean, yeah, we did go deep right off the bat, but it's wonderful for everybody listening who didn't hear that or doesn't remember to, to hear all that. So thank you for the time and the energy that that you spend for your listeners because that, that was amazing. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you've listened to that. I listened to our podcast actually again this morning and I just love going back and listening. I don't know if you ever do that with your own podcast, but I love going back and listening because there's so much gold in these conversations. And 
I think we were like 20 minutes in and I was like, my God, it's not even nine o'clock in the morning. I've almost <laughs> cried three times. Um, but we cover everything in that and we uncover a lot of things. And you are so open and generous with the information and the honesty in which you share it. It's really, it's just so humbling to be on this side of the microphone and to be the steward of that kind of space, you know, to hold that kind of space for somebody and um, yeah, it's a really beautiful conversation if you haven't gone back to listen to it. Um, you know, I don't know if you do that, but boy, I found a lot of worthwhile gold in there. I actually revisited it in a meditation a couple of days ago as I was kind of preparing for this. And I thought, you know what, I'm not going to I'm not going to go back and re-listen to it because I'm going to take what I remember, my experience from it and what my experience of it is today because we we really did dive deep and you guys provided a space for me to open up like that. And I have always been completely open and honest, but like I, I, I really uncovered another layer. And I remember saying to you that all these other people who say, I am grateful for this horrible experience that I went through because it brought me to where I was today. And I was basically calling BS on those people in that episode. And I can say that today I'm in a situation and, and it really just happened like over this whole COVID time, it really just happened where I can't say that I'm so, so, so grateful for it, but I can say that I understand where those other people are coming from. And I can say that I can see how my life would not have been where it is today had that not happened. And although I will never be happy that I had to go through all that or that we still continue to have little snowflakes of things happening because of that, but I can see how it was part of my journey and how it was happened and meant to happen to bring me to where I am today and for my gifts to be able to be out in the world. So there's been a lot, a lot of work that's been done since then and a lot of just thinking and growing. How did you, did that just come with time or do you do like, do you, in your meditation, is it meditation work where you're kind of still with your thoughts? Is there any sort of thing that's changed in the time that we spoke between so, now and then? So I can't say that I did any work specifically saying because of that, mm -hmm. because of that thought, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But because of everything that I do, right? This is a holistic journey. It's not just the food. It's not just the liquid. It's not just the movement. It's not just the stress management. It's the spirituality. It's everything together. And because I have made so much progress, because I am whole and healthy and feeling good, and I can see what I'm bringing to other people, and I can see how many people have come back to me over the years, whether it's been through people emailing in through the podcast or whether it's been people who I've worked with directly, and they say, you see me for who I am on this journey right now. You don't judge me, and we just move forward. And I realize that that's what I've been doing to for myself for a long time. I, I, I am hard on myself sometimes, but I've let go of that judgment and just kind of moved forward. So it's just the overall work. And I changed up my meditation probably about a month and a half or two months ago. So I had this realization before I changed up the meditation, but the way that I meditate now is just, I can explore any topic I want on any day, or I can just ask for the higher being to show me what, what I am meant to explore that day. 
And whether I see it or hear it or feel it or just know it, something happens every day. So the other day it was, it was just, you know, reflecting on our last conversation and where I am today. And it's, it's just so interesting because I know that there are people out there who, who might not want to admit it, but definitely feel the same way that I felt slash still kind of feel is that other people who say, I'm so glad I had that car accident. I'm so glad I had that sickness. I'm so glad I lost that person. If it was really, really painful, that really can be hard for people to accept. Yeah. How long have you been meditating? I have been meditating consistently. I mean, maybe I've missed a couple of days here and there, but I've definitely been meditating consistently since probably 2018. So the end of 2017. And then there were pods where I would do it for a month or so before and after there, but I saw more value in it and was consistent with it. And it's changed and it continues to change. So sometimes it's a meditation because I really want to be building my business mindset. So I'm listening to guided meditations from, you know, certain certain people. Sometimes I'm just sitting in, in silence. Sometimes I'm doing the Calm app or, or something like that. Um, and now I'm actually doing a humming meditation mm. followed by, um, so are you familiar with Julie Pyatt? Yes. So I don't know if you have her Srimati meditation, but for me, when I first got it, it was like a half an hour of like really big meditation and I would fall asleep in it. And I didn't understand any of the words that she was saying, even if they were in English. And now I'm in that space where I like that more really granola kind of meditation that that wipes away like the Calm app. And I'm not I'm not saying that it's bad in any way. And if you're there, you're there and I and maybe I'll go back to it. But that's not what I need now. I need to dig in and find my own guidance. I need to ask my angels and my and my spirit guides to come down to me. And I need a space that that projects that kind of vibration. So I've practiced enough with the Calm app and now I'm going deeper. Yeah. yeah you know, a lot of times when people come to us, they join the team or they start working with me on mindset, they're using guided meditations. I when I first started meditating, I did a 10, I had no idea what I was doing. I did a 10 minute guided meditation on abundance because I was like trying to build my business and it worked. Uh, it was pretty crazy. It worked, but that's where I started. And so, but what I find is eventually the guided piece, and I lead a, guided, a lot of guided meditations. I love doing it. I'm not anti-guided meditation, but it's almost like running with music. Like eventually you get to a point where you're like, I, I gotta, this is surface and I gotta go, I wanna go under because I've developed something through these guided meditations. Now I'm curious and craving more. And I think that's where we take the AirPods out and, and I still do some guided meditations now, usually as my second meditation. But I find that we all eventually find our way just in on our, and we're always right on time. We're right on time. We're right on time. And it's okay to take a couple of steps backwards sometimes too. And I I think that I'm in the place where I would like a guided meditation with lots of room in between and more of like a question, more of like a question and knowing that there's someone there with me who I love and trust, who can help me move forward through it. So, it, you know, the, 
we we all need different things at different times and yeah we do there's there's layer it's it everything's an onion <laughs> mm-hmm. how do you um how do you find time so you're a mom busy mom you're you're just putting out a new book you're a podcast host and you've got <laughs> thing after thing to accomplish like where do you find the time do you roll out of bed get into the closet so the kids don't disrupt you like, what's your secret? <laughs> so I used to meditate in the closet, but I don't. I don't anymore because we have a basement office now. Um, but so I don't have time for everything that I want to do, and I know that we need to make priorities, and we need to do whatever we want to do. We show up and do. But if you want to do a hundred million things, you could only choose a hundred. Um, but my meditation's non-negotiable. Um, two days ago. I came upstairs 4.30 like I normally do, started to make dinner, and I just was like, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And the morning routine had changed, and I had said, I, I'm now in March, I'm focusing on, on a specific goal, and I have blocked out a certain time for myself. And I said, I will do my goal first and then do my meditation because that's so not negotiable. I know I'll get it done. And I went over time with my goal. And then had to get the kids up and then never went back to the meditation. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, picture someone who drinks coffee every day and hasn't had their coffee. Like that was me. Um, so how do I find the time? I wake up at six and I meditate. I get my water. I get my, I go downstairs to the kitchen. I don't even turn on my phone. I go downstairs to the kitchen. I get my lemon water. I drink that on the way downstairs. I start the meditation playing as I finish up my water. So it's kind of getting me into the mood. And then I join in when I'm ready to join in because it's a half an hour. So if I do a half an hour, if I do 25 minutes, I'm getting the same out of it right now. That's how I feel. And I just do it. And then I slip over from the couch where I'm doing the meditation over to the desk. And then I just start working on the project that I'm working on. And I bring that energy with me. And that's the morning that's the general morning routine. And um, it's hard. It's hard to stay focused. And I'm working really hard at not opening up my email and my Facebook messenger and my Instagram and my everything because I like to get all the messages out of the way so I feel like I can move on. But what I've learned is don't even look at it to know what's there. Even though I know it's there, if I don't know what exactly is there, I'll just be able to, to move on. And now some of those messages are starting to only get, you know, answered later in the day, but that's okay because if I don't take care of me, I know what will happen. Yeah, and it is it is so okay for those messages to be returned later in the day. So I used to be that person that like as soon as the email came in, I had to return it. As soon as it, and then there was like a, a pride that went along with that, like oh, I returned. I'm like replying to spammers and BJ's like that's totally spam. I'm like everybody deserves a reply right away, you know, and it was this very hard line. And guess what? Like the things that I wanted to do weren't getting done because I had this hard line that everything had to be done right away. And when I, I think one of the biggest things that meditation has done for me is just like soften me. So, like I know I can get stuff done and it softened me. And it's like, it's okay if that gets returned tomorrow. It's okay. So looking at your practice now, pretty steady for all these years, what do you think meditation has offered you? How has it shifted you? How has it shifted me? It definitely it definitely keeps me calm and holds me together. It's it's like um 
it's like the thread. It's like the thread and it's okay to unravel and, you know, and, and it will start to unravel, but it's going to be just held a little bit tighter <laughs> when, when I've meditated and it allows myself to ask myself questions, find my own answers. I am not, I don't think naturally I'm a very decisive person. I don't tend to make quick, fast decisions. And that's something that I'd like to do more. But if I, when I meditate, I can do that. I can do that better. I can be calmer. I can feel more confident about talking to other people about meditation, stress release techniques when I know that I'm practicing them myself, right? And that's really important too, because whether someone is working with me, you know, for nutrition, whether they're working with me for their their exercise or whether they're working for me for their, with their health condition, I'm not going to be doing everything that they need to do because I'm not in the same position as them, or maybe I'm doing something different. But if I'm not pulling something from a category, but I'm asking them to put that into their day, to find time in their day to, to make sure that that's a priority for them and I can't prioritize it myself, then there's a big disconnect there. So it's really important for me personally, for my family, and it's important for me within my business too, so that I'm working within integrity. Yeah, you're living the demonstration. Exactly. Which is is what we say, like living the demonstration. And when you live the demonstration, the passion for what you do is so authentic. It's so trustworthy. It's because you're living from your own experience However, you know that everybody's journey is a, is a little, is unique to them, right? So you just, you speak from your own experience. And I think that that is such a, such a profound way to guide others because it's very empowering. It's like, well, this is what I have found, you know, and, and you know that, you know, only they can make the change. You can't make the change for them. But when you're living the demonstration, you're showing up with an energy that's, I don't know, it's, it's, I, the words that's coming in, it's, it's like this foolproof energy that comes in. Like I'm, I'm doing it, I'm living it, and I'm sharing my experience. And it's also okay when I miss a day. And it's also okay if yeah. I do, if I have to do for some reason five minutes instead of my 30 minutes that day too. And it allows me to be more forgiving to myself because I know how consistent I am with it. And I know that, I'm not going to call it a slip up, but I know that there are days where things are let go. And part of that is being able to be graceful and say, that's okay that I missed today. I'll get back on it tomorrow or I'll do it tonight instead of tomorrow. And sometimes we need to experience the negative effects of not doing something so that it becomes stronger ingrained of why we need to do it. There's lots of lessons that that we learn when we don't do it what we consider to be perfectly. Yeah, the contrast. Yeah. Right, we need the contrast. You need to to uh, not have an ingredient in a recipe to understand that this is the ingredient that you really like and really adds that punch to the recipe. And so it's okay. This it's just we get so tied in and back to what we were talking about. You know what I asked early on, like um, just one way to do something. There, it isn't just one thing. It's this everything. And and having that flexibility and the and the the awareness to be like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's totally fine. Tomorrow I'll start again. And, but committing to your, to yourself and being honest with yourself that yes, tomorrow you will start again. Because then you start turning things in the other direction, right? We start building momentum in like, oh, 
now this isn't as important to me. This is going to fall by the wayside. But I love the instant for, instant forgiveness is what, what we like to call it. Like just quickly say, it's okay. It's fine. Move on. Right. Versus like holding on to it and then building a big, big story about it. And then you mentioned the kids earlier. And one of the things that I try to do is I try to mention that, oops, mommy forgot to meditate today and it's okay. I'll just do it tomorrow. Or the reason why I raised my voice a little bit too much when we were talking before, I sounded a little bit mean when we were talking before is because I should have taken a few steps back and taken a few deep breaths. Or I, And I think it's because there was part of my routine that I didn't do. And now I can see that there's negative consequence to not doing it, which means it's even more important for me to do it tomorrow because we want to teach the little ones that it's okay to make mistakes, but also to pay attention to your patterns and see what affects you and what doesn't. You know, somebody might say, I'm not hungry for lunch, but then they're a monster by three o'clock. You know, maybe you weren't hungry and we need to listen to our body, but maybe you should have set a timer so an hour later you would have had a meal or maybe you're not hungry, but having a little bit of a snack will help you to make sure your sugar levels stay, stay level for later. And, you know, those are some of the things that we see with our kids sometimes too, when they haven't eaten, they become extremely hangry and, you know, they need to know, even though it's not a normal day, there's not normal school and all those things doesn't mean that we shouldn't eat lunch, but we should still pay attention to our body. So there's so many, again, so many layers to it but just making people around you aware. And it doesn't have to be children. It could be other adults too. Making other people aware of what the patterns are and what you have done or haven't done on the days where you have a headache or you're a little bit moodier or you're ravished or you're not hungry at all. What's happening in your body and what's happened in your routine. Yeah, I, you're talking about being aware, right? Like being being awake for your life, being awake. And I think John Kabat-Zinn had, has my favorite uh, definition of you know presence, which is just paying attention moment to moment without judgment. Now, I feel like the last part is a huge ask. So when I first heard that, I said, oh, I love that. Pay attention moment to moment. Yeah, I can do that. The without judgment, I was like, I can't do that yet. Like, I'm not there yet. So it was like, but if you are just, so I added my own, but if you are judging, notice the judge, notice the judgment and try not to judge that you're judging. Like maybe just you can start there. And that's what worked for me. But in its essence, just living awake is just paying attention. How, how are you moving through the world? How are you moving through the day? And when, when we pay attention, and this is really just kind of this extension of meditation is a mindful living practice. I learned pretty quickly that meditation's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough to just sit for 10 minutes and then get off the cushion and then just go back to my old ways. I had to extend the paying attention for now, and it's like a 24-7 thing. And that doesn't mean that it's hard. It's just a way of being aware of how I'm moving through the world. And you get better and better at it. It just becomes... Your lifestyle, just like eating healthy. Um, what would you say, pre- like presences or or uh, living mindfully? I think taking the opportunity to reframe, and mm-hmm. when you do get into that judgment mode, whether you're judging yourself or judging somebody else, or you've said something that you know is not 
the nicest thing because maybe it's true, maybe it's true, but you don't want to be speaking those words, you know, just take the time to reframe. So when you do have those oops moments where you've said something or done something that maybe wasn't what you wanted to do, it wasn't with your values or integrity, or, you know, you did slip, slip up and you weren't happy with the way that you approach the situation, you have that opportunity to reframe it, even if you've texted it, even if you've said it, even if you've thought it. So when if you say, oh, well, that person's a blah, 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 you can say, you can then re, re, reframe and you can say, that person didn't act nicely in that situation. And maybe you can find kindness. Maybe Maybe they're, they've had a bad day. Maybe they didn't meditate that day. Maybe, you know, maybe they had a car accident earlier and they don't know how they're going to be able to afford to pay for the car and they need to, you know, bring their father-in-law for surgeries all the time. You don't know what's going on in other people's lives. So whenever you have said something that seems kind of mean or doesn't fit what you want to say, just take a deep breath and say it again and practice that because the more you practice it, the more it's going to come more naturally the first time, the more you're going to be forgiving to people who are treating you not nice or maybe they really aren't nice, but that's okay because there must be some kind of reason, but it's not going to make us any better to harp on their on their shortcomings. So just, and it's okay to say to that person, wait, I take that back. What I meant to say was... And although you can't take it back, you can show empathy through saying something else a second time. Oh my gosh, I've been, I, I just did that before we got on the podcast. I said something to BJ and I, and then a couple of minutes later, I was like, you know, I, I want to erase that from the universe. I don't know why I said that. And, uh, and I'm sorry. And just focus on what you're doing now. And, and that's that. Like we didn't have to have a big discussion, but it took a few minutes for me to get that bravery up to say, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know why I said that. That was so stupid. Um, as opposed to, you know, just kind of holding that unforgiveness for myself and, and maybe allowing an annoyance on his end to fester a little bit. And it really is living that demonstration because this is something that I would say to any couple or any person that I work with. And so, we talked about that living the demonstration as a business person, working with your clients and things like that and families, but as a parent, um, living that demonstration for your kids. And have you seen your kids picking up any of this kind of reframing or mindful living in, I mean, they're still, what are they now? So they are they like 11? They're 10 and 12. 10 and 12. Okay. They're I was 20, right around. 10 and 12. Yeah. So in June, they'll both have birthdays. So yeah, so they're kind of getting up there and it's at the point where I can hear them say things in the same tone and language that Adam says, or I can hear them say things in the same tone or language that I say sometimes too. And sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's not It's not as well. But when I hear them do something that I know came from my my lead and I'm not necessarily thrilled with it, I make more of an effort to model different behavior moving forward. And my daughter, she, she's a little comedian and she loves making jokes. And part of the jokes that she makes is like bur like burning people. She doesn't mean it, but like, so, so if somebody rolls her eyes, if somebody rolls her eyes, she'll be like, no need to look for your brain. It's not there anyway, or something like that, right? She doesn't mean it to be mean. It's just like, 
if you think about it, it is kind of funny, but you never want to say it to somebody seriously kind of thing. And in my head, I, I have a conversation of, do I tell her to never make those kind of jokes? Or do I explain to her how it could be seen and let her make her own choices? Or do I just let it go, right? So there, there's all of these things that, that we can do. And what we came, what we were talking about the other day is if you're saying it in a funny situation and you're having like, they, they have like these competitions and they keep going back and forth, like who could say, who could burn each other in the funniest way? And they know that they're joking with each other. But if you send it in a text, they, people might not get the context of it. And that can be used against you today. It could be get used against you in, in years to come, right? So, you know, it's just understanding your audience also. But I do really like using expressions that are kind. So I won't say kill two birds with one stone anymore. I'll say boil two potatoes in one pot kind of thing. Or, you know, there, uh, or rule of thumb. Do you know what rule of thumb means, by the way? No. So rule of thumb is because the rule was a man was able to beat his wife as long as the stick was shorter or as long as his thumb. Oh my God, that's right? terrible. That's right? awful. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. So there's all of these expressions that we use very nonchalantly, but there's meaning behind them. And subconsciously, we can pick up on those meanings and put that vibration out into the world. And that's not the vibration that we want to put out into the world. So it's really important to kind of think about what words you are using and what, and does that match the type of person you want to be? That's a, I, I heard you, we were in a podcast. I don't, oh no, I think you were doing a live with our, PJ was doing a live uh, Facebook live with our team. And he said he used one of those and he was like, oh, that's awful. Like, I, I don't want to say that anymore. And there's so many of those out there, but yeah, rule of thumb. Okay. That's done. That's stopped. That, that's we're not done. using that anymore. That's done. Yeah. That's done. <laughs> but kindness is, you know, that's who we are. I really believe we're, we're loving, compassionate beings and it feels good to say kind things. Um, it feels aligned, and and the more that we do that, we kind of rest back into to who we are. Now that doesn't mean that you know I, I'm not going to have an eruption of anger. It's what do I do with that? What do I do with that frustration? And typically, I just kind of take a step back and I go, "Oof, look at that!" And I ride the storm, and I breathe, and I you know try and just go for a walk, move the body, and just be patient with it. We're still living in these human bodies. And there was a long time there where I wasn't meditating. I wasn't paying attention. I was throwing out a lot of boomerangs of, you know, unkindness, mostly to myself. And uh, yeah, so that stuff lives in our tissues and we must let that release when it shows up. Just let it go. And it also doesn't mean that we need to be pushovers. Right. Right. Yes. And so I don't want that confusion to happen there. If something was meant to happen a certain way and it you, you paid for a service and that service didn't happen a certain way, by all means, make make note of it. Let them know that that you weren't unhappy. It's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to be disappointed. It's even okay to be angry. Our emotions are there for a reason, but it's how we handle them in that situation. So maybe take a few deep breaths or maybe go for a walk or maybe go take a shower 
or a workout before you approach that person in that situation so that you could release your energy in other ways and you could use positive energy to achieve the same goal without making somebody else feel worse than they have to in that kind of situation, especially if the person you're talking to wasn't even responsible for what happened in the first place, like customer service with your when your internet goes out on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Or when I called the IRS, I had to call the IRS a couple of weeks ago, and I had the nicest conversation with the girl. I was on hold for two and a half hours, and uh, when and the whole time I was like, I'm going to have the best conversation. And she like apologized for something, and I said, I know that this is not your fault. She's like, I know, but we ha- we're supposed to do it. Like we have to say I'm sorry and everything. But I love what you just said. So it's like. We're going to have these emotions. We're going to have reactions. But it's what do, are we moving from a place of powerlessness or power, are we powerful? And I find that my powerful is going to come from calmness, is going to come from stepping away and knowing like, oof, I got that text and I'm like emotional about it. So I'm going to wait until I get into a place where I can be clear. There's a quote from the Tao which is, um, you know, can you be patient enough for the mud to settle and the water to become clear again? Can you be still enough to wait for the right action to arise? It's like something like that. Right. I love love that. that. And that requires a lot of power to be able to step back and say, okay, the water is really muddy right now. So I don't want to create any more carnage. I want to move from a place of be feeling powerful, of feeling calm, and I'm going to need to wait out this storm a little bit before I take the action that is right for me and this situation. When, when I have a client come to me and say, this, 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 and that happened, and I'm still here, and I got through it, and I didn't you know, have a complete meltdown, and I was able to handle it, and I would have had to go back on some kind of medication to be able to handle this. And they're able to handle all of these situations that happen in life. That is a celebration for me, just as big as when they come back and say, hey, my markers on my blood test have changed this and that much. Because that it's all intertwined too. When you can when you can bring down your stress levels, when you can approach situations and deal with situations because they're happening around you and they're not happening to you, you're physical health is going to be so much better. Your inflammation, your aches and pains, your your blood tests, your cardiovascular system, everything's just going to be so much better. And it's extremely cyclical. The worse you feel, the worse your mind tends to deal with situations. And the worse your mind tends to deal with situations, there's a physical effect as well. So it's really important to make sure that you're not just recovering from you know, training and co- only concentrating on your legs, you've got to pull that that down too, especially if you're someone who has had, you know, adrenal and cortisol situations before, you're going to go out and you're going to do like a, a 10K run, I don't know, miles, kilometers, whatever you want, a, t- a 10K run, um, you know, maybe your meditation needs to come again after you've done that run so that you can be calm and that you're you're not like jolting on on crazy energy after two. So it's really, it comes back to what we were saying before. You need to be very mindful of what's going on inside you and see what you need. Yeah, yeah we had um, Matt Russell, a professional triathlete on the podcast not too long ago, and he started doing that after his workouts, his intense, indoor, he, he rides the bike indoors a lot. He would meditate afterwards and he would just see 
his heart rate, even for like five minutes, they would just like dramatically after pushing, you know, a, a hard level coming right back down to to normalcy or what what normal for him is as a professional triathlete. So so yeah, so from 2017 to 2018, my cortisol and my adrenal levels were completely off. I, it was hard for me to get out of bed. I don't remember if I talked about this last time, but it was hard for me to get out of bed. Kids were late for school every day. I was falling asleep at red lights. That's how bad it had gotten. And when I was finally able to start exercising again, of course, my personality, I start going to Orange Theory Fitness. <laughs> and <laughs> But the good thing about that is that I had to wear, because I'm don't. i not a Garmin girl. I'm like, I don't have any Fitbit or anything. like. I don't even wear a watch. Um, but because I had to wear it in the class, I was able to see my heart rate come down. And I would take, because I knew I had to like run out after or I didn't want to do it in the hall, I would take that last five minutes and I would sit on my treadmill while everybody else was doing their cool down, I would cool down five minutes before and I would just sit there and I would breathe and I would meditate. And then I'd, I'd open my eyes and it would almost look like I wasn't even alive anymore on, on the on the numbers up there because it had brought it down so much. But that's what I needed because it would have continued to climb throughout the day. And I was already very susceptible to, you know, not having a, a good cycle in terms of, of my hormones. So it does make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I think that's magnificent for athletes to hear that. And um, yeah, I do it myself just to jumpstart recovery, right? We know that when we recover, we adapt to the stress and we get stronger. I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about being a peaceful goldfish. <laughs> Nobody can see me right now. I'm swimming like a little goldfish. <laughs> I just love the name of your book. So tell us about it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I am a peaceful goldfish when I was still teaching. So before I was full-time into this health world, um, I came home from school one day and my son came home from school as well. And he had a really bad day and he couldn't talk to us and he couldn't, I mean, he, he was able to talk and communicate, but not in that moment, not with that stress going on around him. And I knew that he needed to calm down. I knew he needed to take deep breaths. I understood the connection between the breath and the body and the mind and all of that. And he wasn't having any of it. And having been a kindergarten teacher before, I was like, I need a tool. I need a book, right? Kids are going to camp for the summer. Read them a book. Uh, we're going on a field trip. Read them a book. There's a pandemic. Read them a book. Whatever it is, you know, like books books and pictures and words and stories communicate very well to to young children. So I couldn't find a book in my head. I couldn't find a book online that would actually help him to in that moment. So I went downstairs and I wrote it. And I said, this is what this is what kids need. Kids need to learn the tools way before they're adults who are out of control and need to make up for it. You know, this needs to be grassroots. This needs to be young children learning meditation on sometimes very small levels and sometimes very deep levels as well. So I wrote the book and I was going to self-publish it. And I decided to hire an illustrator to make the pictures for me exactly how I wanted. And it was really important for me, for any child to open the book and somehow see themselves. Because having, I read books, kids' books all day long to my classroom. And it's very easy for a young white child to see themselves in every book. But what about every other child out there, right? What about, there's 
black, there's Asian, there's brown, there's mixed, there's there's hundreds of different shades and eyes and and everything. So I was like, how am I going to how am I going to make this more accessible to everybody? And she did an excellent job at at that, I thought. And then I decided that I wanted to get it traditionally published and then I learned that you can't present a book with the with the illustrations. You need to present the book alone. So I have these beautiful illustrations still and now I have a different set of beautiful illustrations as well, very different but but extremely beautiful. And um yeah, so I found myself an agent and we got the book published and it's been about 5 years, almost 6 years in the making where it's finally hitting the shelves April 13th like everywhere. I I'm so happy that stores have reopened here um in Canada because I can actually walk into the bookstore in a couple of weeks and take a picture of myself pointing to it on the shelf. It's really exciting. So this podcast is going to launch on the 12th of right. April and your book is hitting the world on the 13th. So if people are listening and they're like, oh my gosh, this would be great for my nephew. This would be great for my daughter. This would be great for my daughter's daughter. Uh, how can they best support you in their purchase of the book? Is there a timing? Is there like, what's sure. ideal for you? Sure. So if anybody has a child in their life where they want them to have the excitement and joy of imagination and be basically be stimulated by what's in the room. So if there there's there's an ele- there's an elephant, there's a pinwheel, there's a dragon, different animals that kids love acting like and they learn to take that slow deep breath in and then slowly let it out to act like that animal and then um you know there's a silly little cat that follows them around and tries to do everything that they're doing too. So if you feel like that's something that can work for someone who you know, or even if you have someone, a, a baby being born, people say, look, what age is it for? And we've written three to, I think we've written three to six, but really it's zero to six, right? You can't start too early. Um, but if anybody would like to support me or if they'd like to get the book for someone, you could find it. The best place, if you really want to help, is on April 14th, if you buy it on Amazon, that would be perfect. That would be perfect because when people buy books all on the same day or around the same time, it kind of makes it come up for other people more. So that will mean more people will see it and it will get into more hands because this is a skill that that kids need to learn. Um, and so that would be number one. But if you love buying your books at Barnes & Noble or Walmart or whatever it is, you can buy it online and hopefully in store. And if you can't find it in store, you could always ask for it. Um, yeah, and if anybody is in a situation where they work at a school or a meditation center and they want to get big bulk books, by all means, please reach out and I can help you get in touch with the um, publishers so that you can get a big bulk deal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this book is amazing. And yeah, I mean, there's no, there's it's not early enough that we can begin to get this these practices into a lifestyle, into a pattern. And, you know, I know that I came to this life in my, you know, 20s, although I felt curiosity for a long time, but really in my 20s was like, there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way because this way is not working. It's not working. I don't feel good. I feel crazy. And so with a book like yours, like A Peaceful Goldfish, I... 
you know, even though I had so much positive reinforcement and my mom, I think was really the source of my mindfulness. She was amazing. It was always about the present moment, but I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the breathing. I didn't have like, okay, well, what do I do right now when I'm feeling so anxious? And so you don't have to get to that, that point. You don't have to get to that point. And everybody, I think every adult and every child, when they read the book, they're going to identify with one of the characters the most. So maybe it's the pinwheel, maybe it's the goldfish, maybe it's the elephant, maybe it's a dragon. And then you can almost cue yourself that when you're in that hot, fiery moment that you go, wait, wait, what does a dragon do? Or what does the elephant do? Or mom can say to the child, let's let's breathe like the elephant, right? You have something to cue you. And I think as adults, we can use that we can use that too. So it, it's a child's book almost disguised for the parent so that the, because the parent's going to go through a lot, a lot of things, right? The, the kids are going to do a lot of things and the parents are going to go through a lot of things. So, you know, to have that moment of like, oh yeah, that book and you're practicing it because kids like the same books over and over again. So you're practicing over and over again. It's not like a one time you've read it, a novel, one time you've read it and you put it away. So having that is huge, but also what we're doing is we're normalizing it because not everybody's mother is like how yours was, but everybody wants the best for their children. So when it's almost disguised as an everyday picture book for kids, but it has this more grounding, meditative, granola kind of feel to it, it's making it okay to do. And it's not just some like weird woo thing that people do. Yeah. It's not a weird woo thing. I mean, we can, there's, so, thank goodness, like there's thousands and thousands of peer reviewed published studies on how mindfulness practices can benefit your life. You know, your mental health and your physical health, which are intertwined. Yeah. Lots of clinical studies for sure. And when, when kids take part in, in these kind of activities, they feel happier their behavior changes. If they have concentration issues, a lot of them are able to concentrate more. You're you're making you. It's it's like it's like fixing the potholes on the highway, right? You're making that connection so much better. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to do that? And why wouldn't you want that for your kid? I think everybody does. And you know, there's like it. it it's yeah. Breathing is just key. If you you cannot be alive without breathing. So if you breathe more or you breathe more intentionally, then things can only get better from there. Yeah, that's that's the it's the bringing what we're talking about with awareness and presence, right? That we're breathing, I don't know how many breaths a day that we don't even like can you even think about like yesterday, oh my god, I had this awesome breath. Like you can't even recall that. So <laughs> I did have an awesome breath. <laughs> oh, yesterday. you did. <laughs> I, you know when you just kind of like go and then you could feel your whole body relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an awesome breath. That's amazing. <laughs> See, people, that's the reason she did remember right. her breath yesterday. But that that's is so the, important. The result of this mindful life. It's so beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. So my point is just it's, it brings us awareness to to breathing. Like this is it. Like like the more we can we can show up for that breath, the more we can tap into whatever. Um, it's just calm. Whatever that calm feeling is that we are. Um, that we are at our essence because we're the ones who who quicken it and hasten it and get it to a level of of panic or anxiety. Um, you know, I was just in the pool just recently, a couple hours ago, and I was doing these intense sets, and and I've developed that tool to to flip my mind to say like, you just have to take that next breath. Like the next breath is there. Just turn your head. Just turn your head. Just turn your head. 
And as long as I've got that awareness, I know that I have that next breath. And so psychologically, I don't worry. I don't get caught up in the, 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 chaotic, the chaoticness of how not to control this runaway train. I get caught up in, in the, mo- the present moment, that, which is just take another breath. And so I can still swim that intensity. This is the magic. Like I can still swim the intensity, but the breath doesn't have to match that intensity. You can actually separate the two. Yeah, you don't want it to feel like your first triathlon when you take off in the pack in the <laughs> right. water and, and you literally cannot breathe, right? <laughs> yes. I, I, I've got so many people in mind that I want to buy this book for, and I hope they don't mind that I'm totally going to like read it and um, you know before I gift it to them because I think you know. So, as somebody who, and I, and I know that you can relate to this too, because you talked about it in the first podcast, kind of like, a, I say that I'm like a recovering type A, um, or I should say now I would redefine that to, I'm taking those tendencies and, and moving them in, in a direction that's really helpful. Um, but one thing that I've really introduced and, and allowed myself is a little more silliness and like playfulness in life. Because the more we take it so seriously, the more serious it's going to be and the more stressful it's going to be. And so I love, like, I want to breathe like a, probably not a dragon, because I feel like that's an elephant seems more of like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to the elephant. An elephant is good. (laughs) I'll tell you why I like the dragon the best. I actually like the dragon the best because dragons are really fiery, right? But then you have that opportunity to say, whoa, that was too fiery. Let me try again and go. Okay. So you get to the point where you're like burning down buildings to the point of where you're just using that fire to like light a birthday candle kind of thing. And there's different imagery that, that oh, I you like can that. add to it. So it's like fire under control, which power is Power under control. Yeah, power yeah. under control. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was my first like, oh my God, like I've, I've scorched so many beings and environments <laughs> in my life. I don't want to scorch anymore. Um, but I can take that dragon and I can be silly with that dragon. Tame, tame be, the dragon. Tame the and dragon. you can make the dragon any color you want. And because that's what I do, like when they'll call me into schools or they'll call me to like different places to do, well, now it's all Zoom, like these Zoom little conferences and they'll be like, okay, let's go through a breathing activity. So before we start, you, and we could do it now if you want, you just, you close your eyes and you- Oh yeah, let's do it. Take a deep breath in and let it out. And then picture yourself as a dragon. And that dragon can have a big head or a small head, a big body or small body. It could have wings, big wings, small wings. And what color do you want your dragon to be? Does it have polka dots or stripes? Does it match? Is it all one color? And then you take a deep breath in. And then you slowly breathe out to breathe your fire. But wait, that was too harsh. So let's do it again. Take a deep breath in. And then slowly breathe out so you can make your fire. Did you feel how that one is a little bit calmer? Mm. You may not have even tried. And let's do it one more time. Take a slow, deep breath in. And gently breathe out the fire, just gentle enough to light that birthday candle. And there we go. And we're so much calmer now. Oh, Right. And so we've taken it from a place where it was where you actually felt the air going through your nose to the point where you could barely feel it, but you still had that same that that same feeling of taking a deep breath. You were still taking a deep breath. It was just so much more tame. 
And, you know, it, that's fun for kids. And you've made your own dragon. It's any color you want. No two dragons are alike. Um, so it's super fun. Yeah, I think this is really good for athletes. Yeah, I think it's good for... <laughs> I have to tell you, like... You need to extend the, the age guidelines up <laughs> yeah. to, like, 50. <laughs> Maybe age group 70 to 74. Yeah. Like, or 9 zero. to 92. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, seriously, you guys. And when I say you guys, I'm talking to the audience. Like, seriously, you guys. Like, we need we need to keep that silliness and that playfulness in our life. It's so important. And the groundedness, you know, and being gentle. Um, athletes are so good at, you know, hardcore and, you know, like, rah, and, you know, at the same time being super anxious about the workout ahead and, you know, and, and finding grace and finding gentleness in that, and that we have this perfect tool, which is the breath that we can use not only to calm, but to bring ourselves into that present moment. It's magic. Magical. It's absolute magic. I actually thought of Puff the Magic Dragon too. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't go I couldn't even it. create my own. I had to steal it from a previous. Yeah, you need to work on that. I need to work That's on okay. That. You'll do it again. And then maybe <laughs> maybe your puff will have stripes or polka dots. <laughs> Mine was purple with yellow polka dots. Yellow polka dots. Uh-huh. You've been on the yellow string lately. Yeah, it's though. joy. Are you a Vikings fan? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Is that a football team? Yeah, football. yeah. <laughs> Is that a dance squad? Um, maybe I am. Maybe, maybe I was a Viking. Maybe I was a Viking. Who knows? Maybe. All right. So, how can people get uh, more of you? First of all, you guys go back and listen to that first podcast. You're going to get so much out of that. And I love this conversation because it was so focused and so deep in in a different way. And I love that. Um, I love these organic conversations that we have, but how do people get a hold of you um, and find out more about you, stay in touch with you? Sure. So I think the easiest way is on Instagram. If people are on Instagram, they can go to at plant trainers. So plant trainers has two T's in the middle and you'll have access to our podcast there. You'll have access to some of the other content that we put out there and you're able to DM me. So if you have a question about the book and who it's good for, or if there's something else that I said that sparked an idea today that you want to share with me, I'm happy to answer you there. I I will answer in my own time, but it will be me (laughs) or Adam who will answer and he'll tell me if it's for me. Um, So by all means, um, yeah, get you can get us there or the plant trainers pod our plant trainers on um, our website also can be can be a great place and you can access me and everything we do right there. Yeah, I mean you guys have three hundred and I mean you're close to four hundred episodes at this point with the podcast. We yeah? are past at the time that this comes out, we are past four hundred episodes. Our four hundredth episode came out on March 9th. So, uh, yeah, March 9th. So, yeah, we've got 400 episodes where we've interviewed um, amazing people like yourselves, amazing people, amazing doctors. My, many of the doctors that you see on the documentaries, people with their own transformation stories, people who are um, people who are plant-based or using plant-based nutrition to help their clients in many different ways, everything from athletics to mental health, you name it. Um, so we're really proud of the work that we, that we put out there. And, you know, when there's, when there's room in our schedule to work with new clients, we definitely, um, we definitely do that. And like I said, at the beginning, we meet people where they are with no judgment so that they can achieve their wellness goals. And that's really what's most important to us. And, 
you know, a lot of people say, well, how, how does your book have to do with plant-based nutrition? And because it's not just nutrition, right? It's, it's everything. It's nutrition, it's movement, it's stress management, it's sleep. And it's really coming down to your cellular integrity and what you need to make sure that your cells are in alignment so that your body can be as balanced as possible. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. There's no magic pill, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like we are the magic pill. We are the you, magic pill. Yeah. Right. They, they're the magic pill. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, yeah you oh yeah. To, not, yeah. Me. yeah. <laughs> not me. <laughs> right. No, I, I knew what you're saying. Yeah. yeah they, <laughs> you like, you know, because we'll get, we'll get, and I'm sure you do too. We'll get emails saying like, oh, because of you, I was able to sustain the plant-based diet because of you, we lost 60 pounds and it's not because of us. They, you you person who emailed me, you did the hard work. You know, we we offered some information, but you chose to show up every day. You chose to show up every week. You showed up for yourself. You did the work. And that's what it's about. But when you have the proper guidance, the work's not quite as hard. And you feel supported and loved throughout the process, which makes it a lot easier as well. Yeah. And you know, we've all, the three of us have done the hard work, right? Like people are not seeing you when you're coming home from work and going straight up to bed because, you know, you're so overwhelmed and they're not seeing when like, I'm like, can't even breathe. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like, oh, like, is it, are we ever going to be successful at this? This is so scary, you know? Um, or, or BJ in his dark moments, but it's like, those are the moments. Those are the moments that that brought us to today, and in uh, this contrast of life, as oh man, as shocking and as traumatic as it can be, there's also the opposite of that. There's the beauty, and there's the power, and you know that we we do have those answers inside of us. But the guidance, like I don't know what I would do without our meditation teacher. I'm always like, you cannot leave the earth. Like I'm really attached. Like please don't leave the earth anytime soon. Because having that mentor, having that guide is, it's everything. It's everything. And for, for all the reasons, right? For the love, for the support, for the accountability, for the applause, you know, for the reminders, all of those things. And so I'm grateful for what you guys put out into the world. I'm grateful for everything that you've shared with us and our audience. And, um, I'm really excited about this book, Hitting the World, and we'll do um, everything we can to continue to share the awareness of that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate both of you and everything that you've done and continue to do. And if there's anywhere where I feel complete, and I, I always try to show up as myself, but if there's anywhere that I do feel completely comfortable showing up at myself, um, up as myself, it's it's with the two of you. You you provide such a beautiful environment. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for Aww. having me here. So today. beautiful, awesome. We love it. We love you. We love you too. <laughs> love you. <laughs> 